0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. Well, we're in the uh, part four of our Body of Miracles series. And I'm just going to tell you right at the front here that I actually am only going to give you half of the message today because I only got through half of it in the 9 AM. And because we honor everyone, uh, I'm going to give part two of this next week and to them and to you, okay? So I got halfway through my lo- notes, looked up, and I had one minute left. And I was like, uh-oh, um, we're going to chop this in half. So this is part 4A, I guess, or 4.1, I don't know. Anyway, this is half of part four, okay? And we've been talking about all the miracles in the book of John. How many of you have been here for every single one? Anybody? Come on, lift your hands high, be proud. That's awesome. You're here, you're there. I love it. It's good. We're just looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. And when we look at him, I know this to be true, we look like him. That's how it works. When we behold him as in a mirror, 2 Corinthians 3 says, we are transformed into this this same image from one degree of glory to another. Amen? So if we want to see the miracles of Jesus, we need to look at the miracles of Jesus. We need to review them. Because then they will be producing us. In fact, whatever you behold is what you produce. You're going to reproduce what you behold. Even if it's something you don't want. This is a spiritual principle that if you constantly are bringing to mind something you don't want, guess what? It's probably going to happen. Because you reproduce what you behold in the halls of your imagination. It's not what I'm talking about today, but it's a good principle to understand. We need to know that what we look at, we will look like. It even says, I believe it's in Isaiah, those who make deaf and dumb idols are also themselves deaf and dumb, mute, because they're making the idol. They're constantly looking at a deaf, dumb, a mute thing, and it just makes them spiritually deaf and dumb and mute. It's it's not a Christian principle. It's a spiritual principle. Whatever you look at, you will look like, okay? So be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? (laughs) Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Right, And so we are going to be meticulously going through these miracles. We are in the fourth miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 today. And the whole bottom line for me is I had a discontentedness growing in my heart. And even today in the huddle, I told the team I have like this righteous anger thing um, bubbling up in me about the lack of Jesus-sized miracles in my life. Anybody with me? I just, I'm discontent over that. I actually don't think It's optional. I think it's important that we would, as he said in John 14, 12, whoever believes in Jesus would do the same mighty works that he does and even greater because he goes to the Father. Has he gone to the Father? Yes. Then you and I are supposed to be doing greater works than Jesus, according to Jesus. So either he's wrong or we, we got we got, to, we got to get on the train here. We got to get with this thing, right? Come on. So this is... Uh, this is the statement here that I've been just sounding out. If we are the body of Christ, then we must be a miraculous body. If we are his hands, if we are his feet, then we must be those who give away miracles and bring miraculous peace wherever we go. Amen? You need to be expecting the miraculous in your life. I tell my team, I joke about it, but it's actually true. I'm actually accidentally prophetic all the time. I think I'm making a joke, but I'm actually reading someone's mail, and they're like, that just happened to me. Would you pray for me? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I was joking, but amen. Yes, Lord. That happens to me all the time. It should be a natural outflow. Amen? And not start that way, it's just one of those things, you know, fruit happens. Amen? We're going to make that bumper sticker eventually, and it's going to say fruit happens (laughs) on your car while you're driving around. You have a better time in Tampa traffic. Amen? So... (laughs) Jesus didn't only say in John 14, 12 that these signs, you know, that anyone who believes in Him will do the same mighty works. He also said in Mark 16, 17 through 18, this. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. That still happens. They will speak in new tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and drinking from anything poisonous. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. You're not the healer, but you are called to heal yeah, you're not the healer, hallelujah, <laughs> but you are called to heal. He didn't command his disciples to pray for the sick. I know John James 5 says, pray for those who are sick. I get that, but that's the application of the principle. Jesus said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and preach the kingdom. You want to know how to preach the kingdom? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers. It's not just believe Jesus saves, it's give them a reason to believe he's their savior. Show them, and then explain it. That's how Jesus did it. Give them a reason to doubt their doubts about who God is. Amen? Amen. So, signs follow those who believe in the Son. Period. Hallelujah. I just sing hallelujah when it's quiet, you know. Hallelujah. Because it's like anointed, you know, that melody. So, anyway. Anyway. This means if we're believing Jesus and we're following Him, we should look back and see miracles. You don't follow the sign. You don't seek the sign. You seek the Son, and signs follow you. This is what's happened. This is the tweak that's happened in the church. The the off teaching is that we need faith for signs and wonders. No, you need faith in the Son of God, period. No faith for the miracle? No problem. (laughs) No faith for a miracle? No problem. Do you have faith in the Son of God? Yes. Miracles are going to happen. It's going to follow you. If that, then this. Amen? Come on. I have never traveled somewhere just to look at the sign. <laughs> you know? Welcome to Disney World. We made it. Look at the sign. We made it. Let's go home. It's not about the sign. A sign points you somewhere, right? A sign takes you deeper. So the sign of the kingdom should take you to the sun. The signs take people to the sun. That's why we should have them following us. Because if they start seeing signs, they'll follow the ones they're following into the heart of God. That's the point. You okay? Yes? Frankie, one person's okay. Okay, good. I like noise. If you're new, if you're first... Oh, I don't know if I... If it's your first time, say hello. Wave at me. It's good to see you. Come on. Yeah, bless you guys. Thank you for coming. We got little cards. If you want to connect, you'll figure it out. Amen. So let's get into this. This is the miracle of the multiplication of food for the 5,000. This is out of John 6. Come on. I love it. John 6, 1 through 15. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to read you the whole thing, and then I'm going to give you uh, some pictures. And like I said, this is part one of part four. I don't know. Anyway, I got through half and first, so I'm being fair to them. That's really all it is. So this is what it says. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee, and a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. Say a massive crowd. (laughs) They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Yeah, whoa. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now, Jesus already knew what he was about to do. I love that about Jesus. It's so much fun. But this, he said, to stretch Philip's faith. And Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? Have everyone sit down, Jesus said to his disciples, because he makes me lie down in Green Pass. Come on. So on the vast, grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Here's a little teaser for next week. He did, it didn't multiply in Jesus' hands. It multiplied in yours. <clears throat> that's next week. Sorry. That's... Yeah. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, Now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. The disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments, a basket of leftovers for each disciple. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus performed. They began to say to themselves, he's really, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. So Jesus, knowing that they were about to take him and make him their king by force, pulled a Jehovah sneaky, quickly left, and went up the mountainside alone. He does that. He's just kind of like, I'm out. You know? Where'd Jesus go? We don't know. You know? Come on. Amen? Say that really happened. Say that's a historical account. That happened in the natural, like, it really happened. Five loaves, two fish, became feeding for 5,000, and then 12 baskets of leftovers. Come on. They ended with more than they began with after everyone ate. It's next week. Sorry. Okay, here we go. I'm going to stick to my notes and not mess this up. This is what I love about this. Here's some pictures. If you're, if you're new here, all what I really love to do, it's not all that I do, but I really love to teach this way. I, look at, I like to look at the pictures that are seen in the parable, or, or not parable, in the scripture and in the passages we read so as to gain revelation for my life. I like to look at the pictures so that I can be fed. I look at the pictures so that I can receive instruction, structure within. I'm instructed by the gospels every day. I never stop reading the gospels and neither should you. Just my... Admonishment to you: You should continually view God in the flesh, in the Gospels. It's just a good idea, okay? And so here's one of the amazing pictures, and one of the moments I love is that it says they were attracted by the miracles and healings He performed. I, I'm not, I'm gonna say this, but I don't mean it in the mean way. I just mean it in the true way. Is that okay? You'll understand in a second. Without miracles you need marketing. But with miracles they scramble up hillsides to find you. I don't mean that in the mean way. I mean in the true way. This should be the attraction. This should be the magnet that pulls on people. The miraculous is a tractor beam for the lost to be found. We should expect to attract people to God with his power, not our ingenuity. Not our sermon series, not our clever marketing, not our whatever. <laughs> if we have miracles, people just, where did all you people come from? I don't even know. How did you find out? I don't even know. You know, this is what Zechariah 4.6 meant when it says, not by might nor my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah six. Jesus always had a massive crowd before Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. How did he do that? Miracles. I'm not saying it's wrong to market, okay? I'm I'm just saying that if we substitute the miraculous for our marketing plan, we're doing something wrong. Just saying. Yeah. Jesus always had a massive crowd, but listen, the crowd never had Jesus. That's the deal. He always had a massive crowd, but the crowd never had him. So we can't be afraid to be influencers and icons. We must only be afraid of thinking we are the source of our greatness. You should only fear making the mistake that you're the source of how great you are. I say it this way. Christ in you is the hero of your story. The hope of glory is the hero of your story. Christ in you. Can't be afraid to be great. We need to fear making others feel they are not. Don't be afraid to be great, fear making others feel they are not. This is what it looks like to be rooted in your acceptance from heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, heaven accepted me. Who cares who rejects me? Come on. Come on. This is why I, I don't say it every week because I got some feedback from my team that it's communicating something that I don't want to communicate. But I do mean every word I'm about to say, I don't need you here. I got my two boys and my wife. I I will preach to them at my house in our pajamas. I don't need you to be here. I'm glad you're here because Tampa is hungry for the Holy Ghost. Amen? Tampa wants to encounter Jesus. That's why we gather, to host the presence of God and encounter Jesus together. That's important. I'm glad this is happening. Amen? But I don't need this to happen. I don't answer to you. Okay, Let's, I'm going to cut the offering in half right now. Are you ready? If you think that you give so that you can tell me what to do, stop giving. Do not give. Give your money to some other organization that feeds the hungry like Chick-fil-A tomorrow. You know, just give it to them. Yeah, you're the hungry. It's fine. Do not. You don't, you don't give so that I have to listen to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm aware of you. I'm hearing what you're saying. And I have great, wonderful feedback from all my beautiful friends who are close to me. I've listened to the, you know, wisdom has a multitude of counselors. Amen. I have a multitude of counselors. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying, you don't have me. Are you hearing me? Like, you need to encounter Jesus. You don't even need to encounter me. My job is to create an environment for you to encounter him. That's my job. That's what I'm called to do. So if we do that, we're good. You've already encountered Jesus today. So it's all downhill from here. It's easy sledding. Amen? Come on. We don't gather around a message. We gather around the messenger. And I'm not him. I'm the mouthpiece of the messenger. Are you following me? Okay, good. This is what it means to be rooted in your acceptance from heaven. It'll keep you from pride and needing the acceptance of others. That's how Jesus had a crowd, but the crowd never had him. This is what happens. People get a crowd, you know, somebody blows up and somebody gets famous, and all of a sudden we slap the pride label on them. Oh, see, they wanted a crowd. Well, maybe God anointed them for a purpose. This is because the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is always attractive. Listen to what I'm about to say. The righteousness of God in Christ is always attractive. Hear this. Self-righteousness repels. True righteousness attracts. Self-righteousness repels. True righteousness attracts. Let Let me just... I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it just back here because it's the Lord and not me and you can just take it up with him. (laughs) You know you're walking in true righteousness if sinners like you. How can I say that? Every sinner Jesus ever met loved him. (laughs) I'm not talking about compromising and being of the world. I'm talking about walking in righteousness in such a way that they want what you have. Yeah. Everybody wants the kingdom of God. You understand? Everybody. How can I say that? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I was talking to an atheist once, and I was just having a conversation. I wasn't trying to, you know, get a notch on my belt leading him to Jesus. I wasn't trying to check a box. I was having a conversation with a person who God thinks is to die for. That was it. Okay? And he's like we're talking and he says this thing he goes you know I just, I just he knows I I do what I do. Okay, he knows. He know all the way back in high school as the Jesus kid. I mean, look at me, the long hair, whatever. It's just I was always at church. It's just a thing, okay? It's just a thing. It's a Jesus kid. So this was actually right out of high school. And we're hanging out, and he's talking to me. He's like, you know what? I just want to do the right thing. I don't really need religion. Da, da, da. He brings it up. I'm like, oh, I will not even try to talk about that, but fine, whatever. You know? He's like, I just want to do the right thing. I was like, hey, you know what that's called? That's called righteousness. So you just want to do the right thing, right? Well, the right thing is being righteous, not harming your neighbor being kind, right? This is righteousness. Everybody wants to do the right thing. Yeah. And then he, he said, well, he's like, well, I guess. And I said, hey, when you're doing, while you're going about trying to do the right thing, would you like some peace while you do it? And he's like, well, yeah, who doesn't want peace? I'm like, I know. That's what I'm saying. And he, and he's like, Well, yeah, of course. I said, okay, what if you had joy on top of all of that and uh, through everything? And he's like, yeah, who wouldn't want that? I said, sir, you want the kingdom of God. (laughs) That's what I told him. (laughs) You want the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You want the kingdom. Now, he didn't say a prayer, but I planted a seed. Somebody, hopefully, in God's name, is watering it. And God will bring the increase. Amen. So, you know you're walking in true righteousness if sinners like you. Because Jesus was hated by the religious folk, but loved by the worldly folk. And that guy is my model for how to walk in the righteousness of God. Amen. It might be because he's always turning water into wine. I don't know. You know, it might be that thing. I don't know. But not always, but it's a joke. The point is, we think coming, being separate, coming out and being separate from among them means not relating to them anymore. We think it means, and the church has taught it means to turn your back on the world, the way we're in No, no, God didn't do that. God opened his hands to the entire world. He put, he got down on one knee and said to every person ever living, will you be mine? I will be yours if you will be mine. And we get the opportunity to say yes or no. That's your choice. But he is on one knee proposing, he's on, he proposed on one knee to your worst enemy. Pick the worst person in history. Adolf Hitler had the opportunity to be in Christ. Na- name your political whatever that you hate and post on Facebook about. Jesus thinks they're to die for. Because he did die for them. He's not mad at them. He's madly in love with them. I say these things repetitiously on purpose. True righteousness is attractive. Say it's attractive. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Everybody. And if we represent him well, guess what? We'll have influence in their life. Yep. Yep. Where'd that one verse go? Wait. Nope, I'm not there yet. Okay. <laughs> next part. This is the next picture. I love it that he asked Philip where they should buy the food. But Philip, <laughs> he answered a different question because it was a test, right? It says he asked them this to test his faith. Even though Jesus knew what he was going to do, he asked them this to test his faith. You following me? You guys with me? Okay. Okay. So he asked them, You know, this question, and it was a test. And here's what I need you to hear today. When God tests you, it's never for him to find out anything. (laughs) He's never like, hmm, I wonder what they'll say when I ask them this. And he's not taking bets up in heaven with Michael and Gabriel about what you're going to do with what he gives you. He's not. He doesn't leave his omniscience in order to test you. So when God tests you, it's not for him to find anything out. It's for you to find everything out about you. God tests you to reveal you to you, not you to him. He wants you to see where your heart is because you need present awareness. And we're pushing for awesome things, right? But without present awareness, there can't be forward progress, meaning you need to know where you are in order to know you even progressed, If you don't take account of where you are, like some of y'all are messed up in some stuff. Hello? Don't fall into condemnation. Fall into hope. Because you know where you are. That means you can measure your progress. The worst thing is when you don't know you're in a mess. That's a real tricky thing. But present or forward progress requires present awareness. Meaning it's not about ignoring your issues and ignoring your current circumstances your circumstance. It's about ignoring its place of ultimate influence. It's about looking to Jesus as the ultimate word, the final word on your situation. Amen? Amen. I talked about it a few weeks ago, but faith investigates. That's what I'm talking about. So all of God's tests are to reveal us to us. Jesus knew all along what he was going to do. And when God asks you a question, this is awesome. He actually does it. He, He doesn't do it so that he can figure anything out. He does it for you to discover his plans through relationship. God asks you questions so that you discover his plans through relationship. He doesn't want robots. Do this, do this, do this. He's like, hey, Philip, where do you think we could buy enough food for these people? Wink, wink. (laughs) You know? It's relational. Come on, Jesus is the best pastor you'll ever meet. It's a relational conversation to lead you into his abundance, into his Perfect person into an understanding of who he is. Not who you think him to be, but who he actually is. Because he never changes, but our perspective towards him changes all the time. If you're healthy, it will change daily in some small way. Because he always keeps getting gooder and gooder. Amen? That's the deal. We just, and that's the thing. He doesn't actually get any better. We just discover him in a new way and how glorious he is. Are you following me? Okay. So I love it because Jesus asks, where will we buy? And Philip attempts to answer a completely different question. When Jesus asks one question, Philip answers another one. He said, where will we buy enough food? And Philip attempted to answer, how will we buy enough food? Did you notice that? Come on. We need to answer the question God asks us instead of dodging them with our supposed reason. God's asked me to do this, but what about this? I don't have the means to do it, da 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 da, da. That's what it looks like. God said, but I can't because da-da-da-da-da. We're dodging the, the call. We're dodging the question with our reason. But 1 Corinthians or25 says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So if he asks you a question and it sounds foolish to you, you probably want to think about it a little more and discover the wisdom that seems foolish, right? Come on. God's asked me to do some crazy stuff. I, have, I, I didn't tell this story at first. I, I heard a testimony of a lady who was in a skirt and asked to go into a gas station and stand on her head by the Lord, the voice of the Lord. She's pumping gas. The, the Lord said, go do a head, headstand in the gas station right inside the door. And she's like, what? No. I'm." Uh. He's, go do a headstand. Okay. So she walks in there. Homegirl does a headstand, maneuvers things to not, you know, whatever. And like, I don't know. I, I wasn't there, but I heard it, you know. Anyway, she pulled it off, all right. And the store owner starts weeping. And she's like, gets off of her head and goes, what's going on, you know. And the guy said, I literally just told the Lord, if you're real, send someone in here and make them do a headstand right there because I'm going to kill myself if I don't know that you're real. No joke. Homeboy was going to commit suicide. And this foolish thing was asked of this lady. Thank God that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Amen. So don't dodge his question. Find the wisdom. Jesus wanted Philip to look to him, the source of all life, as the source for his need. Instead, Philip looked to his natural resources. My friend Jim says it this way. You should never confuse the resource with the source. You understand? Like, your job is not your source. It's a resource that the source gave you. Right? Your talents aren't even your source. They're a resource that the source gave you. Don't confuse resource with source. Jesus was not asking Philip about the food, y'all. He was not asking Philip about the food. He was not asking him about lunch. He was asking him about his heart. Jesus was asking Philip about his heart. He was asking Philip about his deepest beliefs concerning his source. Because he said, where? There's a supposed, there's a a presupposed idea that we have the how figured out in the question he asked. What does that mean? That means the source is in front of you. Just tell me where you want to point it. You know when it says that he's Jehovah Jireh? You've heard that before? We say the Lord will provide. That's what that means. Hashtag horrible translation. No, it's the Lord has already seen to it. The Lord has seen to it. The Lord has provided, and you need to see where the provision is. It's not he's going to provide. He has provided. And you get to, you're invited into seeing it. But you have to trust him as your source in order to look. Amen? Philip, his attempt, I love this, his attempt to answer the wrong question actually only provided a snack, a a small little measly snack for everybody. You know what I mean? So, and the, you know the part where it says many Jewish uh, travelers were coming into town? That means they've been traveling for a long time and were probably very hungry. Okay? So his, his attempt, his natural reasoning only provided a snack, a small portion for them. But God wants to lead us into supernatural abundance, not just enough to get by. All right? His name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Okay? <laughs> El Shaddai literally means the God of more than enough. The God of abundance. Listen, I know it sounds really humble and religious to say, I just want enough for me and my family, but that's not God's plan for your life. You are fighting God's plan for your life. You just want enough for me and my family. You just want to pay my bills, just enough. Yeah, that's not God's plan. Here's God's plan, Genesis 12 too, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. More than enough so that you can be a blessing to someone else is God's plan. Why? Because the first plan is selfish. Just enough for me and mine. Just me and mine. Forget everybody else. They can suffer. World hunger, whatever. I just need me and mine. (laughs) That was the sound of conviction. Just so you heard. Just want to label it for you. (laughs) People are like, that sounds like the prosperity gospel. That sounds like a bless me club. Well, I didn't get into a curse me club, I can tell you that. That sounds like the health and wealth gospel. It's certainly not the sick and poverty gospel. There are people in this room who have, I know, they have provided for the incredible needs of others because they had an abundance. Don't you want to be able to do that? I have a dream in my heart. Can I share it with you? This is really, I'm getting fringy right now. This is like, get in trouble zone right here, and I just don't care. Hi, Facebook. Hello. Yeah. I found this pattern that if I call them out, they don't message me. It's weird. My Facebook, it's like, so I just make a habit. Anyway, <laughs> at least it's less. It's less. Someone's going to prove me wrong today just to do it. Huh. Anyway, I have a dream in my heart. Okay. This is crazy because he's able to do more than we ask, think, or imagine, right? And I was challenged by a believer, a beloved sister in the Lord, to write down something that is absolutely crazy impossible, like totally impossible, and watch God beat it. I was like, you know what? That sounds biblical. I want to do that. I want to get my hopes up, right? So I said, I want to write 100 $1 million checks into the kingdom of God. I want to write a million-dollar check 100 times into kingdom endeavors. Oh, you need an orphanage? Okay. Boom, a million dollars. Oh, you're starting a church? Okay. Boom, a million dollars. Anonymously and often. That's what I want to do. It's a dream in my heart. You can call me a prosperity preacher if you want. I don't care. I want to help. True prosperity is never selfish. This is the story. This is what happened. Jesus made so much food for these people that there were 12 baskets of leftovers. (laughs) Okay. This is so cool because... I look at these pictures, five barley loaves and two fishes, right? So in the kingdom of God, apparently five times two equals 5,000. <laughs> apparently, that's God's math. Apparently, he could use whatever you give him to create more than enough. What will this do with a crowd so big? Oh, you forgot. That's the resource. I am the source. He takes the resources and multiplies. The kingdom of God has always postured to multiply. Multiply it's always posture to multiply. The first command of God to the human race. Anybody know it? Not first first gathering people. That's right. Be fruitful and multiply. First thing out of his mouth to the human race. Be fruitful and multiply. Bear fruit and multiply. We're like, just enough to get by. I just need to be fruitful enough to get by. I just need to get by. No, Multiply. I love this. He had everyone sit down on the grass to eat, and actually, just so you know, you probably heard this, but there are much more, there are many more than 5,000. That's just the men, okay? Women and show, there's probably more like 7,500 to 9,000 people here that got fed. Okay, at least, yeah. I'm being conservative just to buffer it, you know? So this is awesome because he has all these people. Imagine almost 10,000 people sitting down on a hillside. Right? He says, tell them all to sit down. They're all climbing up the hill. And He's like, tell them all to sit down. Tell them to take a seat. Tell them to rest in my provision. It's from a place of rest that we receive the bread of Christ. It's from a place of rest that you receive his supernatural abundance. Brian Simmons says it this way in a commentary. Jesus doesn't require that you stand and work for it. You simply sit down and rest to be fed the living bread. Come on. And I love this because barley is actually the first crop that's reaped during the harvest in Israel. The first crop. Say the first. So these pictures, these are pictures. It's barley bread. And it's the first crop just as Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29. And just as he is the firstborn from among the dead, we are to receive his resurrection life as the first step of living in the kingdom. It's the first step. You're not going to be resurrected. You were co-resurrected with Christ when you said yes to him. You're going to ascend on resurrection day. But you've already been co resurrected. This is where I get in lots of trouble. Whatever. It says he raised us up and seated with him in heavenly places already, Ephesians 2. It already happened. Say it already happened. So the resurrection of Christ is already inside of you, it's already in your chair. The power to multiply five barley loaves and two fishes is in your chair. It's a picture of Christ's resurrection life being our life source. And provision for all things. And every hunger is fulfilled in his resurrection life. All right, I gotta land the plane here. I love this because Jesus took the bread and the fish and gave thanks to God before the miracle. We're all waiting until the miracle happens to go, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That's when thankfulness overflows. But we're actually supposed to enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means you thank him at the gate, that means before anything happens. That's why we always start our worship gatherings with thankfulness. I tell the team, I tell Gigi, have us, lead us in thankfulness before anything goes down today. Amen? He thanked God before the miracle because he knew what was to come. Listen to this. When we live from the promises of God, when we live from the promises of God, thankfulness is a natural response in times of lack. You need to hear this. I'm glad I'm cutting this in half. Don't gloss over on me. When we live from the promises of God, believing they are true thankfulness is the response to lack you look in your bank account coming to the end of the month here and you have a lack your response should be thank you jesus i'm about to see a miracle now everything happens for a reason and sometimes the reason is you like you know too much chick-fil-a and not enough home filet you know what i'm saying like that happens But my friend Kimberly says it best, Kimberly Woods, senior leadership here. She says, God wants your stewardship, but he doesn't need it because God doesn't need anything. He wants you to participate in the kingdom by stewardship, stewarding what he gives you. But that doesn't mean if you don't steward it, he's not going to provide. Oh, you spent too much money at wherever, Starbucks. Don't you know you have K-cups at home, Caleb? What are you doing? And what's worse is, you door dashed it, so you paid a fee. (laughs) Come on. I'm just talking about me. I'm talking about me. None of you. You're all professional Christians. I'm just talking about me. (laughs) Yeah. And now you have a lack. God doesn't go, oh, how many times did he door dash it, Michael? How many times? Nope, not providing for that bill. You spent it all on DoorDash. Nope, not doing that. That's more like the Godfather than Father God, okay? That's not the Lord. That's not God. You might think that's God, but you can be wrong. Hallelujah. I've been wrong once. That was a joke. I've been wrong many times. Have you ever been wrong before? Yeah, okay. Well, you can be wrong about that too. Possibly, maybe. I don't know. You and God. If our hearts are grounded in the miraculous power of God to provide, we will thank Him before He does anything with our little that we give Him. I just tell you, (laughs) that's being proven right now with the Turnahan family. Bobby is in the front row praising God today. Waiting on the miracle. Wait with thankfulness. Their family is full of thankfulness. Why? Because their hearts are grounded not in what they see, but what has been promised to them by the Lord. That every little thing is going to be alright. That's a promise they have. All will be well. Am I right? That's a promise from God. And That's, that's all they need to thank the Lord. Are you following me? Four-year-old Micah, his hair's falling out right now from the chemo. And they're full of thankfulness. A heart grounded in the promises of God will thank him in the face of lack. You're my hero, man. It's amazing. This is the key to seeing miraculous things happen. This is the key to seeing miracles. Not only for you, but for those around you. It's the key to seeing it multiply in your hands. Thankfulness. That's the key. I know God's will for your life. Everybody wants to find out what's God's will for my life. life?" Well, it's plainly seen in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You might not like it, but this is God's will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I know God's will for your life. Always be rejoicing. Keep on praying. Never give up. And give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for your life. Everything else is just negotiable. This is the non-negotiable of God's will for your life. It's for your good that you live this way. This is what Jesus did. He thanked him before the miracle. And look what happened. Amen? So I'm just pulling the handbrake because I am halfway through my notes right now. Part two of this, part four, will be next week, okay? We'll just continue in this miracle. All right, you guys okay? Sorry, that's what we're doing. And that's really because we honor our serve team members in the CEC who are serving your kids. And we told them we'd end by a certain time, so we're not gonna be liars. If you call that unspiritual, I don't care. We are going to be those who anchor our hearts in hope, honoring everyone along the way, and believing for the promises of God. If we do that, we will respond with thankfulness before anything even happens. All right? Listen, you should get your hopes up. Romans 5 says, hope does not put us to shame, for the love of God has been spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Get your hopes up. Living from promise means you get your hopes way up. I don't want to get my hopes up and be disappointed. Well, then you're not living from the promises of God. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) This is the truth. You'll never get to the other side of the veil, which is heaven. You'll never get to heaven and say, man, I was way too hopeful down there on earth. I wish I had been a little more hopeless. I wish I had a little less hope. Never going to do that. It's not going to be a regret of your heart. Well, I was hoping and it didn't happen. I promise you, the hoping along the way and it not happening is better than the despairing along the way and it not happening. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.